And uh, that's what I want to have you follow along on as you turn, hopefully, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, but also to uh, especially Matthew chapter 9. And make sure you have both of those. Um, it was a few weeks ago that uh, I did what I do every single Sunday morning, actually every morning. I got up and grabbed my cup of coffee, and I went and sat at a particular chair I have, and I just spend time with God. And, and in that moment, I'm, I'm usually meditating and praying and then reading Scripture and then writing in my journal. And, and it doesn't happen very often, but this day it did. It was a Sunday morning, and I'm sitting there, and, and the Lord spoke to me. And uh, he said a name of a person I know, but I got to tell you this, I hadn't thought about them in a long, long time. I mean, we just have, have gone out of each other's lives. And so I, it's not like I talk about them or think about them. It's not that they're not important, but it's just one of those things that happens over the course of time. So this name came like out of the past, out of nowhere. And I'm sitting there and I said, Lord, is that you? And then the next, next phrase came, she will be in church today. And I just went, oh, and then as I sat and prayed about it, I got another message, and it was a very personal message for her that I need to make sure she somehow got. And so I sat there going, whoa, okay, I didn't know about any of this, but, but Lord, I've got it. And I ran up to Pam, and I said, guess what? I think God spoke to me, and, and, I, and I think she's going to be in church today. You've got to watch for her, because in this place has thousands of people. It's possible you could be here, and I wouldn't know it. And, and then I, I shared that with a few other people who would know her. And so, you know, we're kind of walking around the 9 o'clock hour, and I preach, and I decided in the midst of the message, I would tuck that message, you know, if it was from God, and she would know it. And, and so I shared it, and, and then I didn't see her. And then the 11 o'clock hour came, and some of you were here that week. You'll remember this. That what happened is I shared the message. I tucked the message for her in the midst of it. And then I gave the invitation. And I walked down here during the invitation time, inviting people to pray and give their life to Christ. And then uh, I said, you know, I, then I said, uh, amen. And I asked people if they would take that next step of faith and come forward. And then all of a sudden it happened, man, the lights went out in here. I don't know if you remember that Sunday. It went pitch black. And I'm like, oh, and I was even a little shocked. And then I kind of stepped back to try to figure what was going on. And right at that moment, the only lights shining were on the stairs. And right there, right in that stairway, she's standing there under the spotlight. And I looked and saw her, and she looked and saw me, and we made eye contact. Now, I want you to think about how that happened. It, it happened in the exact moment. In two and a half years, we've never had the lights go out like that. And it happened when she happened to be in the place I would see her in the most pronounced way, so I wouldn't miss her. And, and I know that some of you will go, man, that's, that's a coincidence. But I want to tell you, coincidences happen when you pray. That, that God does things. And, and it goes back to what God tells us in Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, he says, and I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Before we go on, I want to ask this question. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God, when he told you that, that he'll do it? That if you call to him, that he will tell you great and mighty things that you don't know. Things will come from him to you that are outside of your realm of knowledge in the moment or possibility, and God will tell you that. Now, here's why. Because God is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. It was on Palm Sunday last year 
we decided to have what we call the Spontaneous Baptism Sunday, the first time we did it here at Crossroads. And I think a lot of you were in that. And what we did is just had all these different places to get baptized. I think there were seven of them. And, and I preached on baptism. And I said, you know what, if God's calling you to, then you just come right now in your clothes. Just get in the water and be baptized. And, and, and that day, over 500 people came and were being baptized all throughout the day. And it was emotional. I mean, it was incredible. What I didn't know was uh, in the midst of so many amazing moments, there was a family who attend our service, uh, our church. They're a part of our church family. And years ago, they had a blow up within their family. And, and, and they reached a place where they weren't talking to each other. You know, mom and dad aren't talking to the kids and the, the brothers and sisters aren't talking to each other. And the wife who attends our church was so heartbroken over this. She prayed for a healing. She prayed someday for them to be reunited. And, and it just killed her. She hadn't seen her nieces and nephews from her brother, and she didn't know when, and she loved them. And so what happened is they were always praying for God to do something. Well, in the midst of time, also, this family who attends here began to uh, interact with a man who didn't know Christ, and they made it a family project to love him because they cared about him so much. And so they're sharing Christ with them. The mom and the dad are, the teenage daughter is, the kids are, and they're just praying and loving on him, not knowing about that Sunday. They invited him to come. And so they come walking in and notice things are different, and they're actually sitting right in that area over there. And uh, I preach the message, and I am giving the invitation, and they're praying and praying that their friend will say yes. And, uh, and when I end it, uh, uh, the teenage daughter looks up, and this man is crying. And he leans over to her and says, will you go with me? And so they start making their way down, and they come around the corner over here and start coming down this aisle, and they're getting into this long line and, and start moving up, you know, and he's emotional and getting ready to be baptized. She's emotional in that moment. And then he gets right in this area here, and he looks up there and sees Daryl. And, and he knew Daryl just a little, and he thought, I want Daryl to baptize me. So even though they were very close here and they had waited for this, he said, let's go. And they turned, and they started walking over here. And as soon as they hit this spot, her cousins step out right in front of her. And they look at each other and they start crying and hugging and, and moved by that moment. They were coming to be baptized. And God that day reunited a family. But he also orchestrated a divine appointment that took place right here at the exact moment it needed to. Because it would have been very possible for them to be baptized and leave here and not be seen. Now I want you to know God does that. God is a God of miracles, but I want you to know that God is a God of miracles when you believe. When you believe. The whole idea of Christmas, the whole idea of being a Christian, the whole idea of living with Him is experiencing that. The thing is, though, we've got to make sure we don't have a lack of faith. Look at Mark chapter 9 and actually start in verse 22, right in the middle. A father has come to Jesus who has a need for his son, and he says this in the middle of that verse. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can. Do you catch he takes exception to that? He looks at him and says, what? If I can. Then he's going to say, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. Now, did you grab that? And, and so many times God's looking at you going, why are you living an if you can life? A God can do anything. 
And God loves you and cares about you. And God wants you to experience him. And God wants amazing things to happen in your life. But I, I know that sometimes our, our, our intellect gets too strong or in the way and we forget who God is. Or maybe sometimes we get mistaught or we just get callous to it. We forget that the God of the, who's the God of the Bible and did miracles within Scripture does miracles today. The God who heals, heals. The God who delivers, delivers. The God who rescues, rescues. The God who provides, provides. And he does it in an extraordinary way. At the end of the service, Jennifer Felix is going to share before communion. And uh, she's going to share this with you in part. The definition of a miracle, according to Webster's, is an extraordinary event taking place in an ordinary moment. And God does that. God loves to do the extraordinary. God loves to move in amazing ways. But you and I need to be open to it. When I was first a Christian... Man, I believe God could do anything. And then when Pam became a Christian and we're in high school together and early college, she believed it too. And we would pray and see God move and, and watch great things happen. And then I went to Bible college. And um, I got to tell you, while I had some really good professors, I had a professor in the very first class who actually started out by saying that God doesn't do certain things. And that while he may have done it in Scripture, that was a different dispensation. And we live in a dispensation where God doesn't. And he had all these theological reasons for it. And me being this young college student and wanting to be extra theological. Man, I'm taking notes and I'm buying into it. And I would come home and I would share with Pam. And she, I could just tell she didn't like it. And then I remember one day we're sitting there, we're dating. And we're sitting there and, and Pam wants to pray for something to happen and for somebody. And I looked at her and said, well, Pam, God doesn't do that. Now, my wife is one of the kindest, gentlest people you've ever been around. But I'll never forget this moment. She looked at me and said, Chuck, I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to ever say that again. If that's what you want to think, you think that. But the God I know does great things, and I'm going to believe in him. And I went, oh. You know, and, and I felt like saying, get behind me, say no. And... Uh, and I started wondering, why had I fallen so far? Why did I have such a lack of faith? That, that's what was being robbed, was my faith. Because God does do great things. When God says, call to me and I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know, he wants that for you. When, when God says, pray to me, and, and he wants you to access these incredible moments and things. God loves to do that. In Hebrews eleven six, it says that if we're going to please him, we must come to him in faith. And we must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And, and you need to know God loves you. He cares about you. He loves to move in those moments. What will stop that happening is unbelief. In Matthew 13, 58, it says, and Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. In Mark 6, 5 and 6, it says, and he could do no miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. He wondered at it. He said, what's going on? And then the passage I wanted you to see the most. Matthew chapter 9. Two blind men need to be healed. They know that the, the one who can heal them is Jesus. They, they know that, and they come to him. And notice what it says in chapter 9, verse 27. And Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, and crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, now notice this, Do you believe that I am able to do this? 
Don't you know that God today is calling that question to you and to me? God is looking at you and saying, do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you think there's anything too impossible for me? Do you really believe it? Do you believe that I can restore relationship? Do you believe I can orchestrate so that all of a sudden things come together and families are healed? Do you believe that I could deliver a message to somebody who needs it desperately and I'll use you as the vessel to do it? Do you believe that I'll give you a dream to guide you? Do you believe that I'll, I'll bring a provision in your life out of nowhere that saves you and you can look and see it's me? Do you believe that I heal? Do you believe? Do you believe? And notice what they say to him. They said to him, yes, Lord, in verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. Now, I don't want you to miss that. One version says, let it be according to your faith. It will be done to you according to your faith. In other words, if you really believe it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take it to the level of your belief. And I'm going to limit it to the level of your belief. James actually echoes this when he's talking about why we do not have an, an answered prayer. He says, you have not because you ask not. You're not asking. You're not believing. You're not crying out to me. And so you're not going to get anything. And God says, but if you do cry out, I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. If you do believe in me, I'm going to do it according to your belief. And we need to know that God works that way. Like I told you, when Pam and I were first Christians, we saw it happening over and over. And... Uh, one of those moments happened when her dad came to me one day and said, Chuck, I was a young high school guy, and, and he said to me, he said, how would you like to earn 100 bucks? I mean, I, 100 bucks back, that was a lot back then. It's, it's a lot today. But I thought, oh my gosh, yes, yes. You know, that was minimum wage was $3.25. You know, so I could earn 100 bucks in one day. And he said, what he needed me to do is he had this old hearse. It was a literal Munster's hearse, the, the old-fashioned kind. He had sold it to a guy in El Central, California. And, and with the agreement, he would have it hauled down there. And when he found out how much it would cost to tow it, he decided it would be cheaper to actually pay me $100 and then pay our expenses. Pam and I would go together and I would get a tow bar and hook it up to his Suburban and tow it down there and drop it off and drive back and he would pay the gas and pay the you know tow bar expenses and it would just be a great deal. And so he said, do you want to do it? And I'm like, oh yeah. But her dad didn't know me that well. He didn't know that I'm mechanically challenged. Maybe inept is a better word. But I didn't want to admit it because I had 100 bucks coming, man. Plus, I'm a young high school guy. I figured I could figure it out. So I go down to the U-Haul place, and I get the tow bar, and I come back, and I first hook it on the Suburban and hook the lights in. And then I, I get it close to the hearse by backing up and kind of push the hearse forward. And, and Pam's in the house waiting to go. We're all excited about our trip together. And I lift up the tow bar. And the way it's supposed to work, it's supposed to go up under in three places uh, and tightly under the, the, the bumper and then over the top of the bumper, and then you're to tighten it down. And they, they said, make sure you tighten it down tightly. It's going to work its way down. And you make sure you do that. Then drive a little and tighten it more. And, and so I thought, okay. So I go to put it up under, and it won't go. It will not latch underneath, which means it won't go over very well. And so I'm trying to move it, and I'm shaking it, and I'm pushing the cars, and I know I don't want to back up anymore. I'll wreck the bumper. And I'm thinking, man, I can't get this on. And Pam's dad's not around. My dad's not around. And I really want to get this done. Pam comes running out and says, are we ready to go? And I thought, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think we're ready to go. I mean, I had a chain underneath, you know, hooked to the axle, so if it came loose, I thought we'll be okay. And, uh, and I figured, you know, we'll drive down Garrettson, and if it starts to come loose, then I'll know I'll get help. So we're driving down Garrettson really slow, and I'm watching it kind of, you know, right behind the car, and, and it seems okay. And then we pull over into that 7-Eleven on, turn right on Grand, and then we pull in there. And, and I go and check it. It's still not hooked over. I still haven't been able to tighten it because since it won't hook. And I'm thinking, you know, when it made it this far... And, and, you know, if I'm careful, you know, and, and so we get on the freeway together and we're driving and we make it all the way into downtown Riverside on the 91. And, and then a car in front of me is going really slowly. And so I decide to move to the left because it's a little busy, but I want to get around them. And, and, and I end up having to move two lanes. Well, when I go over to the third lane, all of a sudden it happens. I, I feel, I watch, I can see that the hearse is starting to move on its own. And then I, I feel it start, literally, this really happened this way. Pam, I'll tell you. It literally takes the back of the Suburban and pulls it, and the car goes, and people are honking their horn, and I'm going, ah, and we're screaming. And, and then it pulls it back the other way, and it's starting to come loose. And when it comes loose, it's chained, so it's going to take the car and spin it in all this traffic. And I'm like, oh, and Pam goes, what do we do, what do we do? And I said, we got to pray, pray. And Pam goes, oh, so she's screaming her prayer. I mean, this isn't a shut your eye, and I didn't shut my eyes. And, and we're praying like crazy, and all of a sudden, and, and then all of a sudden, pow, and it comes loose, and now we're dragging the car by the chain with no way and it's like starting to move and again you know and all the cars are honking and backing off and I and Pam hops over the seats and she's still praying Lord help us and 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 you know and I actually prayed this prayer I said God I know I've got more to my life uh, but if I have another day and and so I start trying to move over hoping to kind of move the car with me and Pam's praying and then all of a sudden we make it all the way to the slow the first lane and then pow I hear this sound and Pam screams and I said what happened and she goes I don't know, and, and, but, it, but it felt okay, and, and the car's sitting behind me, and I'm driving, and I said, okay, okay, I'll try to get off at the next off-ramp, and I pull off, and I get out, and I am not kidding you. This is no exaggeration. I walk back there, and all three places, it's totally underneath the bumper the way it's supposed to be. It's over the top the way it's supposed to be, and it's tightened down in all three places. I mean, and I'm not kidding. And, that's, and I know that God looked down and said to one of the angels, I know you're busy, but would you take care of that foolish boy? And uh, I mean, I could just see an angel tightening it going, yeah, yeah, he should have known better. And uh, you know what? And, and that's how God just kept working the whole time we were first saved. And, and except for that one period of time, we still see him doing that. I mean, I see God touching lives and moving in lives. And, and I, I hope you would share this with me. I believe in God. And I believe that if we call to him, he'll tell us great and mighty things we do not know. I believe if we call to him, he'll answer us. I believe he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. I know that's who he is. And, and it's incredible to get to live life like that with him. God loves to bless you that way. And then we think of Christmas. We call it very often the Christmas miracle. Why? Because it's when Jesus was sent from God on high. To, to inhabit human flesh, God incarnate on earth, and, and to live a life for us which we could have God reveal because he was the exact representation of the nature of the Father. And, and then he would die on the cross for our sins, and he would cleanse us completely. And, and that day that we celebrate so much, even at this time of the year, when that child came, everything changed. If you have your Bibles, be in Isaiah chapter 7. But as you're turning there, 
I want to remind you that another prophecy about the coming of Jesus is in Isaiah chapter 53. And listen to how it begins. It says, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our message? You see, that's what gets so so hard about all of this. Not everybody believes the message, the message of the Messiah, the message that he's come, the message of who that Christ child was in the manger, uh, uh, the blessing of who he grew to be, that he was Emmanuel, God incarnate, that, that he died for us. Who's believed that? And, and the scary thing is, is God's offering this to anybody who believes, just like he's offering other miracles to people who would truly believe in him. And, and he says, but who even gets it? Who believes it? There was a man named Ahaz who was a king that didn't believe it. And because of that, his life was a mess. That's what probably even, I don't know if you're going to get it, but I hope you do. That's what's so sad about what we're about to read. The message is given, but he won't believe the message. The offer is given, but he won't take God up on the offer. And, And his life didn't have to be the tragic life it was. It did not have to be a life of despair and fear. And it's going to be offered to him at a time when he is so overwhelmed he can't stand it. He's not been the good person. Matter of fact, up to this point, if anybody needed to be judged and go to hell, Ahaz was the man. But I want you to know, if you haven't caught the nature of God, God never, ever gives up. And there's nothing you could do, there's nothing Ahaz could do that God wouldn't love him. So God calls for his most cherished servant of that day, Isaiah, to go and meet him. And if you have your Bibles, look up at chapter 7, starting in verse 3. It says, the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shear Jashub, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Now, this is one of those coincidences. In other words, God said to Isaiah, I'm going to tell you where Ahaz is going to be. I need you to give a message to him. And I need you to go to that exact spot and stand there because that exact spot is important. Just like for me, that day that that spot became important. Or another day that this spot right here for a family became important. A divine appointment's about to take place. And Isaiah, a prophet of his day that everybody knew was a prophet of God, it was accepted at this point, would stand and begin to cry to comfort Ahaz. Ahaz was afraid because the Arameans were mounting an attack. They were gathering their forces. They had sent word they were coming. They were going to destroy the land of Israel and the area of Jerusalem and Judea. They were coming in huge and big, and there was no possible way he thought he could stand against them. He thought his life was over, that his, he would be destroyed, his family would be destroyed. And he's walking around literally depressed and in despair. And he walks by that exact spot. Now, why is that spot important? Because according to the, 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 the feelings of that day, the day he lived in, that he knew, the upper pool was called the place of blessing from on high. It was symbolic of God's blessing and the water of life and the flowing of the Holy Spirit. And as it flowed down, it was to remind people that God blesses us by pouring the Spirit out upon us, a spirit of love and comfort and strength and peace. Now, interestingly, over the course of years, the bottom of that place had turned into what's called the fuller's field. It was a place where people would go to cleanse garments. So here, don't miss this. God said to Isaiah, I need you to stand in a place where the blessing from on high flows into a place of cleansing. Now, don't miss that. The blessing on high flows into a place of cleansing, and I need you to tell him a message. And so what he does is he begins to try to comfort him and tell him God's going to rescue you and ask for a sign. But he won't ask for a sign. 
And notice what it says, starting in verse 10. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. You make it the most amazing, impossible sign you could have. Here it is. Ask God for a sign. He's telling you to do it. And I'm telling you, he's going to give it to you. It could be the most difficult thing, the most incredible thing. Ask away. It's yours. And then in verse 12, it says, But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Now, can you imagine this? No, don't miss it. God has said through Isaiah, who he knows is a prophet, you can have whatever you want. But he doesn't want anything. He's going to walk around in despair for two years. He's going to walk around in a tragic life. Everything in the end goes wrong for this man. He dies alone. He dies. It's all not going to be good. And God said, I'll rescue you. I love you. And you ask for whatever you want from me. And you know what is so tragic? He doesn't do it. Just as tragic today, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For whoever asks, receives, and whoever seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And he's crying out to you and I today, live life with me, asking, trusting, believing. Now, God will only do things according to his will. But the most important thing he wants us to do is believe in him, trust him, live according to his will, and ask, seek, and knock. And, and you know, I don't know what you're going through right now, but let me tell you, no matter how hard life is, God has an answer. Call to him, and he will tell you great and mighty things you don't know. Ask, and he will give. You need to trust him. You need to believe in him. And this man won't do it. And he makes it spiritual. Oh, I won't put the Lord my God to a test. Well, you know, you shouldn't put your Lord your God to a test. But God has said, do it. And by not doing it, you're testing him. Whenever God finally says, do something, and you refuse to do it, you're testing God. You're trying his patience. And one of the things God wants you to do is experience his blessings in your life, that he's the rewarder. And then it goes on to say this. Verse 13. Then Isaiah said, listen now, O house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men? And now you'll try the patience of my God as well. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel literally means God with us. Now, you know his name was Jesus, which means Jehovah saves us from our sins. And what they're saying is Mary will call out, this is God in the flesh. This is who he is. God said, you know what, if you're not going to ask for a sign from me, let me tell you, I'll give you the greatest sign of all. That one day, I'm going to send an angel named Gabriel to talk to a beautiful young girl and to ask her, invite her to experience this. And even though she's a virgin and will never have sexual relations with any man up to that point, that what happens is I will have the Holy Spirit overshadow her and a child will become from her. And he will be God in the flesh. Now why? He will be the blessing from on high that brings cleansing to people. He will be God's blessing that comes down to create a new life in you and a new power in you and a new uh, relationship in you. So you're drawn to God in an amazing way. This blessing from on high is ready to come. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This would be who Jesus is. And he said you can make it as big as you want. There's no bigger miracle than that. Then God would love you and love me so much he would come and be literally incarnate within flesh and live upon this earth and love us and care about us and Show us a way to come to him. And then offer us to live life with him where miracles happen when you believe. Where you experience this. 
And that's the great calling that he calls us to. That's the great desire that he has. And his dream and desires that you and I would experience this. And, and you know what's so sad is now Ahaz is going to walk around for years in despair, at least two years in that time period, in fear, and he never had to. And when I think of the Christmas story, I think with joy of all those who've received Christ, who are experiencing him, to us we look at the tree and sing and and we spend time together and we know that joy has come to not just to the world but to our lives and peace on earth and goodwill is to us too. And then I look at all the people who don't understand it. And it's so tragic because they're so close. There isn't anybody that God doesn't love. There isn't anybody he doesn't care about. Today I want to promise you something. If you right now do not know God in a very intimate way, I want to promise you he wants to know you. And what he asked you to do was to trust him with your life, to say yes to him. By the way, what he wants to do is to bring cleansing. I, you may not even think a lot about what sin means. We're not going to get in that today. I want you to know everybody here, we have things in our life that are failures and sins and times we've hurt others. And God says, I want to cleanse you so completely that I don't see that within you anymore. God wants to come and heal your hurts. No matter what pain you have, he wants to come and touch you. That message I heard that day for one young girl was that God wanted to take her hurt and her pain that she thought was unbearable and, and take it away from her. And, and it got more specific than that. So I want to tell you that today maybe you need it more specific. God has it for you. And if you would call to him, he would come and love you. If you would call to him, he would come and give you an amazing life. So today, what we're going to do is go to a time of prayer, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you would, to pray with me right where you're sitting, to call out to God and let him come and love you. Let him come and take you close. Let him bring a blessing from on high into your life and cleanse you. And let him renew you. And this could be for you today. And man, we're, we're, we're just wanting so badly for each of you to know. And if you don't know that love today, I hope you'll say yes to it. Also, I want you to know that today, if you for some reason are a Christian and, and you're not feeling God or you're not near God or you've done something and you've wandered away, I want you to know he wants you back. And, and today, what you need to do is call to him too. Call out to him. And during this prayer time, I'm going to invite you to do that. And God would want you to do this. So let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would literally come and touch and move within this room. That spirit of love, that spirit of care, that spirit of comfort. And God, I pray you're going to stir within each one of us. May those who are here today that know you, know, Lord, how much you love them. And may we grow in faith. Maybe right now it's the faith of a mustard seed, but let it grow within us to believe in you, to trust you, to experience you. And I pray, God, you'd do that. And I pray right now, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would literally move in this room in such a way that you would touch each person who needs to commit or recommit their life to you. God, I pray they would know this is their time. I pray deep down inside they would know how much they matter. And I pray, God, today is the day they're going to say yes. And Lord, your joy, your love is upon them. God, the cleansing's going to come for some who need to release guilt and hurt. And God, today is a day of healing and cleansing for them. 
God, that some are going to find themselves drawn in such a close relation with you. They just can't believe it. And I pray, God, you're just literally that somehow deep inside, your still small voice is guiding them to this. So I pray right now, Lord, that this is going to be one of those moments where eternity changes, where blessing comes, where they're knowing they're loved and they're loved by you. I want to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make this decision? But I'm going to lead that prayer right now and ask you that today, if you want to say yes to God, that you pray it with me. So let's pray this prayer together. Whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt, to make me alive, to make me new and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. And I fill, I I pray, fill me with your love. And fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God. That is so awesome.